Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Voices of Western. This is the Humans of Western podcast. Tonight, I'm excited to be introducing another alumni, Tim Laid, and bring him to one of our alumni guest episodes. Tim graduated with a degree in film studies from Western in 2006. And during his time as a student, he was super involved in residence life, helping with residence council, being a residence advisor and a soft which later enabled him to be able to find a role and career in those areas. Um, He also pursued a degree in Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership at Royal Roads University and graduated with that degree in 2014 and basically has been on the move since he graduated moving from one residence to the other, from one side of Canada to the other, and experiencing a lot of different locations and what it means to work in different universities. Now I'm going to pass it on to Tim to give a brief introduction about himself and maybe add the points that I missed in introducing him. Hello, thank you, my friend. Uh, I am really excited to be here with you this evening. It has been, I think we've been working on this for over a year now, so it's exciting to, to finally be meeting you virtually. Uh, and recording this this episode, you do speak the truth. I, I graduated from Western with a BA honors in film studies and sort of an unofficial minor in history and MIT. Uh, and I was a residence advisor in Sogging Maitland Hall, and I was also a soft for a year. My soft name was Strong Bad at the time. And uh, I was also really involved with Western Foot Patrol and uh, Residence Council and the Western Undergraduate Film Society. And so I uh, spent a lot of time uh, on campus. And I did graduate from Railroads University with a Master of Arts in Organizational Leadership, where my research area was around enhancing student leadership in residence specifically. And for the last 15 years, I have worked in student housing at six different institutions in six different parts of the country. I spent the biggest chunk of time at McEwen University in Edmonton, Alberta, nine and a half years there, and helped relaunch their Residence Life program. And I've been moving around since then. I was at Sheridan College in Ontario and St. Francis uh, Xavier University in Nova Scotia and the University of King's College also in Nova Scotia. And uh, now I'm at Lakehead University in Aurelia at their satellite campus. And I've been here for about six months now, Uh, but all told it's about 15 years of working in student housing professionally uh, and living on campus for almost 21 years now. And so I am what I would call a student housing nerd and also just a nerd in general because I enjoy uh, science fiction. I enjoy watching Gordon Ramsay yell at people. uh, And I also enjoy, you know, taking part in in the campus community as often as possible. Well, thank you so much for that introduction. And I guess it's fair to say that you never really left university. You have been like involved. (laughs) No, what, I what tell I tell so people long? all the time when they ask me, why do you still live on campus? And I say, because I never want to graduate. And uh, I like I like living living on campus and being part of the of the community. 
And uh, how did you get started with all of these? Was like becoming a residence advisor the yeah. very first step towards pursuing a career in student life? Yeah, I, I was a residence advisor on the 2004-2005 Soggy Maitland Hall Residence Life staff team. And I was a residence advisor on three lower. That was my community. Um, and I fell in love with the job. And I, I realized that I would rather do RA things than go to class. And so in retrospect, if I could go back in time and do it all over again, I think I would do a degree in human resources because uh, I spend a lot of my time on performance management now, RA hiring, training, coaching and, and leadership development, uh, as well as supporting our residence council here at Lakehead and our, our six house presidents. Uh, so I it did all start with being an RA. And I think Western housing really shaped for me the concept of relationship building and that it isn't just about a head and a bed, right? It's it's certainly a service that that residents provides, um, but it it's more than that. It's about helping people figure out who they are and helping them fill their potential and and meet the goals that they've set for themselves. Uh, and that that relationship building piece is something I I learned as an RA and as a soft. And as as a you know an operations manager at at Foot Patrol, um, and those those pieces were the formative things that that helped figure out my first my first professional steps as a as a residence life professional. So you mentioned you lived in Saugeen as a residence advisor. I know when I was a don. Well, now the concept has changed from like RAs to dons. I mm -hmm. always uh, wanted to stay away from Saugeen just because of the negative, you know, connotation that comes with it. Was it the same back then too? Um, I mean, I don't want to say it, but some people have referred to Saugeen <laughs> as a zoo. Yeah. That has changed recently, but I'm curious to see if that was the case back then as well. So I actually lived in Saugeen for three years. I did my first year there uh, in 2000 and 2001. So 20 Two years ago, I moved into to residence for the first time, um, and I loved it. I was really nervous to to begin with. I'd never shared a room with anyone. I'd never eaten in a in a dining hall other than at summer camp, uh, and I I was very nervous about that. And I fell in love with it. Right, I fell in love with um, the campus life. I fell in love with that that building because it's so busy. And it is so filled with so many personalities that you're never bored. There's there's never a time where you think, oh, there's nothing to do here. And uh, I actually took a year off at, in between my first and my second year just to work and, and make some money. Um, and I came back as a soft and I was in Saugeen again and loved it. Again, loved being part of residence council. Uh, I was one of the first internet commissioners for residence council that year. And uh, then I stepped into an RA role the following year. So three years I was in Saugeen. And my last year, I just focused on school and grades for grad school. Uh, so I lived in Essex and that was a completely different experience. Um, it was it was much quieter and it was it was much uh, it was much more focused on academics that year. But I, I wouldn't trade my three years in Saugeen for anything. Um, 
it is a lively place and and that's that's the way i like it i think yeah and i don't think it has changed like i've had friends who lived in Sagin in their first year and always talked positively about it you know there might be the cases of a person here and there who did not enjoy their time there mm-hmm. but i think what western housing has been focusing on is is working kind mm-hmm. of creating that opportunity for students to make those connections have fun yeah and uh, connect with others why well, I, I know i know the director uh chris i've known him uh for for a long time now probably the whole length of my career um and one of the things i know that's really important to chris is is creating a residence culture where you you know you respect yourself you respect your your fellow residents and you you take care of of the place that you live in and so that's really a value that i have tried to carry over to the different systems i've worked in as well um and and that value of of character and respect is so important um to, to the students we work with exactly so how did you like last fast forward to graduation then you lived in Saugeen and Essex mm-hmm. all how did you end up pursuing a residence life coordinator um uh, I know like there are different titles for this mm-hmm. role but like yeah. how did you end up pursuing this role um so I started applying for jobs I had gone to a few conferences uh housing conferences when I was a student uh and both uh, the Ontario Association of College and University Housing Officials, and uh, CAUCUS, which is the Canadian uh, Association of University and College Student Services. Uh, they both have job boards on their on their website. So I started applying uh, and and looking for for different opportunities. I have never felt the need to stay in one place, though. And so right from the get go, I was looking at opportunities. Um, in all different provinces and in the US and in the United Kingdom. Uh, I have uh, a British visa. Uh, so I was actually just recently in the last year or so looking at job opportunities over there as well. So I think that really opened up a lot of doors to me because I was willing to go wherever. I, I didn't feel the need to, to stay local. As I've gotten older, I, I'm certainly feeling the call of, of being closer to home. My parents are both older now. And so uh it it's nicer it's nice to be to be back in ontario and only a couple hours away as opposed to a you know a five-hour flight right and so kind of like following up on the question about the british visa would you say that the residence life back there is kind of somewhat similar to the one we have in canada is it better is it worse like how how do they compare so it's it is is like we were maybe 20 years ago they're they're just starting oh, wow. student housing uh, like they've had student housing operations for hundreds and thousands of years uh in in england the 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 ancient universities like trinity college in dublin has had student housing for as long as you know that university has existed but the residence life program and the idea of student staff and programming and uh you know relationship building that is just starting out um and it's only it's only a few years old so uh it's it's prime it's a prime opportunity for those that are thinking of of traveling internationally to work in in student affairs um because it's it's just growing which is is really 
uh, exciting opportunity to help to help formulate a, a program for the first time. That's fair. I I don't know. I guess some people could see it as a step back if you are, you know, moving from a mm-hmm. place where it has like developed all of these processes yeah. in place and has everything kind of figured yeah. out, and then like going to another place where this is still like just starting out. But I sort of I do see the value that you could be the pioneer in terms of yeah. creating something sustainable and long term. Yeah, yeah, I like I like a good challenge. I uh, I've I've started a residence life program from scratch, uh, and sort of re-nurtured uh, one other, um, and uh, that's that's an inspiring thing to be able to to build something from from the very get go. But I, I I completely agree with what you're saying that. You know, it 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 might feel like a step back in the in the in the right context, um, but as as I said, I I haven't met a challenge I don't like. So, yeah, I mean, residence life, you get to do you get to deal with people most of the time, or because you talked about organizational management, so I'm curious to see what kind of challenges you work on mostly. So the biggest trend that has only gotten larger as as the years have gone by now uh the biggest trend is student mental health and uh, i would say second to that would be sexual violence and responding and, and preventing that in a really intentional intentional way uh but every year student mental health gets a little bit busier uh with students who need additional supports and uh come with with complex histories I mean, every student is different. So I work on the ground level with with students directly. I supervise at Lakehead uh, six RAs and six house presidents. And our RAs are sort of focused on the relationship building side of things and supporting students who are in need, making sure that that they're getting referred in a way that that is supportive and that they're connected to resources. Um, And then our house presidents focus on the on the educational sort of social side of things. And so every year I feel like it gets a little bit busier, but I the the benefit of that is that it's really built a strong capacity in in me to recognize the value of of training our residence assistants and our 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 frontline staff, our dining hall staff, our our housekeeping staff to notice when a student they interact with regularly is not doing well. And to make sure that that's getting reported and, and referred up so that we can support that student. So it takes a village and it gets a little bit busier every year. Um, but I think it makes us better as professionals to constantly being open to being teachable about those those skills and that that process that that allows us to to support students. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, even if things were effective, you know, years ago or two decades ago yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be working today so yeah staying flexible with those policies and how you respond to situations can definitely yeah. be you know significant here yeah um, I, I i think that you know western was really foundational to me and into how to do things as as a residence advisor and a, a, a new residence life professional and i always think back whenever i'm looking at a decision I think back to my experience as an RA and say, well, how did they do it then? And that I think is really good foundational information, but you're right that student trends change and 
people change and culture changes. And, you know, we have more international students. We have students who identify as, as um, all sorts of different identities. And so our processes need to change to, to meet that, that new student that, that is, is coming and staying with us. When you said people change, I like randomly thought about the change that was introduced by TikTok, how like in two, three years ago, dancing to a song was not necessarily yeah. something significant, but yeah. nowadays it's just like <laughs> the norm, you know, like you yeah. gotta just join the dance. I'm I'm a big Instagram nerd and I do have TikTok, uh, but I am not I am not a TikTok dancer. So you will not see that ever on on my TikTok or my Instagram account. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, this this recording of time <laughs> times change, <laughs> you know, times change. So we'll, times we'll see. Times change, exactly. Yeah. Um, and as you were like busy kind of working in these areas for so long, moving places, one place to the other. When did you find the time to pursue a master's and what was the inspiration behind that? Um, it, it actually came back, funny, funna, funnily enough, it, it came back to one of my colleagues uh, at Western who had pursued the same degree program. And uh, uh, and so that was that was the inspiration. I knew that I, I wanted to move up in higher education and Postgrad or or post undergrad degrees are are essential. I think you can't you can't do well or move up in in higher education without having completed those those credentials. I mean that's what attending post secondary is about is is higher level credentials. So I knew that that I needed that. Uh, my my one of my career aspirations or goals is to be a dean of students one day, and that means you know having a doctorate at one point. So uh, it was a colleague at Western who inspired me. And I put it off for several years, just because my workload was was crazy. Uh, and then I, on a whim, I applied to, to Royal Roads. Um, and uh, I got in, I ended up deferring it for a year just because work was cra- crazy busy. Um, and then I, I just decided that that summer, the summer of 2012, that that was the time to, to get the ball rolling. Uh, I attended a conference in at the University of Georgia, and I was the only one there without their master's. Uh, and so that really oh, wow. prompted me to, to um, start that process. So started in 2012, and uh, it was challenging to do that and full-time work at the same time. Um, and so it was, it was, it was not an easy task, but it taught me a lot about resilience and academic rigor and ensuring that, you know, you take the time to complete something that that matters in, in the best way possible. So um, academic rigor is 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 challenging, but it's something that that taught me a lot about capacity building. And it looks like you enjoyed your experience, too, because you've been able to continue in that career area for so many years after that too yeah I guess one of the problems I have with like pursuing a higher degree is that many people do it without having the end goal in mind that's usually the next step when a recent graduate wants to take 
they would mm -hmm. say, okay, I just graduated with this undergrad degree. Now mm -hmm. what do I do? I can't find a job. Let me go pursue two years of master's degree in mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. just to have a master's degree. I'm like yeah. very against this idea personally, just because um, if, if you pursue something that isn't going to get you closer to where you want to go, or you have no idea where you want to go, it could end up being a waste of time, right? But in your case, you kind of left that off for a few years, kind of got visibility on why it's helpful. Yeah. And again, the important point of like, you were in a conference where almost everyone had a master's degree yeah. except you. So that was like the big sign of, okay, I, I got to get this master's degree if I want to yeah. be part of this room. Yeah, it, 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 I think you're right. I think that it's it's one thing to do post-undergrad work just for the sake of it, just to think, well, you know, I have nothing else better to do. But I I was really intentional about it. I took the time uh, because I, I wanted to make sure that I was spending my money and I was investing my time in a way that was going to help my career. Um, and so, I mean, should I have waited six years? Probably not. Um, because now, even now, I, I'm 42 and I'm just starting to think about a doctorate. So um, that uh, that could have been done a little sooner, I think. Um, but having said that, you know, things happen when they're intended to happen. So uh, I don't I don't regret that that at all. And I've always been curious about a doctorate and leadership. I'm assuming that's what you mean. Any uh, ideas the... on what that is like? Do you get to write a thesis? Do you get to yeah. research? Like, how does that even work? So the the doctorate I'm looking at actually is at Western. It's the it's the educational doctorate, the three year online program, uh, and so it it is obviously more focused on education, um, and and higher administration or higher education administration. So um, that that's sort of the the vein I'm I'm hoping to tap into in the next in the next year or so. Yeah, this kind of gave me an idea as well for our next episodes to to bring someone with a doctor degree and figure out, you know, what goes on behind a PhD because yeah, you, you got to be a special type of person to pursue. Yeah, it. I know I that, could never. <laughs> that's rigor. That's academic rigor for you to to be able to birth a uh, uh, a dissertation. Um, so we'll see. We'll we'll see where the wind takes me. I guess. Absolutely. Uh, I guess it's positive. It would be great to bring you back to Western. Yeah, that uh, my parents are in London now. So that that is that would be delightful to to be to be back on campus. Uh, obviously, it's an online program, but uh, to be able to to be in that space again would be would be really special. And I thought I was super great in adaptation and changing locations until I saw your LinkedIn profile, yeah. which was like, you know, moving all over the place here and there every yeah. few years. Um, tell me about adaptability. How do you adapt? Um, I, I have always flown by the seat of my pants. I, I don't know what it is or what my parents did to, to build that, that skill set in me, but I think it's probably because we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I was I was born in Hamilton, but we moved very quickly after that to Kitchener. And then after that, we were my dad got transferred with he worked 
for Environment Canada, and he was transferred out to Newfoundland. And so we lived in St. John's for a year, and my sister was born then, and then went back to Ontario for another year. And then we moved to the house my dad grew up in, and that all happened within before I turned five. So we moved we moved around a lot and then, well, then my parents stayed there for 35 years, but um, I, I, I've just always had that travel bug in me and I've always wanted to explore new opportunities and new skills. And I think that, you know, I, I've lived in Nova Scotia, I've lived in Quebec, I've lived in Manitoba and, and Alberta. Um, and I, I wanted to really see the student experience across the board because every every part of Canada is a little bit different and students are different depending on where you are. Um, and I, I really think that if you're going to try and support someone, you have to understand what their experience is like. And I know for, for our international students, they're coming from a completely different part of the world where maybe there's a different language, different culture, different experience, different way of doing things. Different weather. And that can be weather challenging. That that can be that can be one of the hardest things anyone ever does. And so I want, I wanted to experience, I mean, I've not worked internationally yet, but I wanted to know what what it felt like to move to a completely different place you had never been before and and figure it out. So um I, I do have a bit of a, I have had a bit of a travel bug in me, uh, but as I've gotten older, I think that's waned a little bit. Uh, I like, I like being closer to home now. That's good. It's good. Yeah. Traveling is positive and, you know, it kind of brings you the new perspective of just interacting with different people mm-hmm. and different cultures. To me, it's been eye opening because you notice how the problems that I'm dealing with is not as significant as I thought because I am able to witness how people are dealing with much more significant challenges and that's not to dismiss my own challenges yeah. but to just put in things into perspective and help me get back on track to attempt solving those and seeing that you know it's not the worst case thing it's not the worst thing that could happen to a person I I completely agree with you and you know one example that I think has been helpful to help illustrate was when I moved to Alberta, I had not worked with Indigenous students before coming from from Northern Canada. Uh, And McEwen pulls a lot of students from from the territories. And that was a huge learning piece to me about how we support our Indigenous students, how we work towards truth and reconciliation, how we hold space for them, uh, was a really eye-opening experience. And that capacity, I don't think I would have built as quickly as I did had I had I stayed in Ontario. Um, and I, I when I when I moved to Sheridan College, I had the opportunity to work with a large trans population of students. and that was my first experience with that. And that helped shape for me how to approach that, group of students and how to make sure that they have the supports in place for them to fulfill their potential. And so moving around a lot has helped me build those different capacities that I think would have taken a little bit more time had I not lived with with the, those groups of students. Okay, let's go to one of our newly introduced features, which is the hot take section. 
And that is a feature where we ask our guests what their hot take is on a special topic. And tonight's topic is, do pineapples belong on a pizza and why? Tim, you want to take that? Yes, I'm I'm happy to to share my my passionate feelings about pineapple on pizza. And I I personally like it. I like sweet and savory at the same time. So same concept as French fries and ice cream. If you have not tried French fries and ice cream, you are missing out. So it's the it's the sweet and savory uh sort of thing at the same time. Uh, and the Hawaiian pizza was actually invented in Ontario, in Chatham, Ontario. So as a proud Canadian, I I live uh, proudly um, for my for my Hawaiian pizza when the dining hall offers it to me. This might be the very first time where we have two distinct, quite different opinions on the same topic. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm super not for a pineapple on a pizza i tried it yeah. once before i think it was yeah. twice actually when my yeah, friend yeah. recommended yeah um didn't i didn't like it i didn't see the point in it but i do always respect the people who who kind of prefer having a pineapple on a pizza i just don't see it fitting with the theme of pizza and you know cheese and all of the tomato yeah. sauce you know my friend it's your journey so, so no judgment. You you eat pizza the way that that works best for you. Um, I, I I don't judge. I I respect your choice. As I said, it is it is your journey. And but you know what? I did try the French fries with ice cream. Mm. It was once from Costco where yeah. they were kind of like closing and wanted to try both of them, the ice yeah. cream and French fries. <laughs> so it was a interesting combination to try. I'm not sure. Why do you like that? Why do you like the ice cream? I don't know. It's just a flavor profile I'm into. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Sweet and savory at the same time. And I'm, I am very lucky that Lake Head Aurelia is a seven-minute walk from the Aurelia Costco, so it's it's directly across the the road from us, Um, and so it keeps me in in supply of French fries and ice cream and dollar twenty-five hot dogs. That got me through the summer when the dining hall was closed. Oh yeah, that that hurts when like it's the summertime and dining hall is closed, yeah. no restaurants nearby. Yeah, yeah. I've experienced yeah. that way too many times. And since we are speaking about the topic of hobbies, I noticed that Gordon Ramsay is also one of the shared interests that we both have. Yeah. yeah. What would Gordon Ramsay say about a pineapple on a pizza? Oh, I there's video. You can you can look it up on YouTube. Uh, where he has asked that question, he would he would not think that that's appropriate. I don't I don't think. Um, but one of the one of the things I I like about Gordon Ramsay is that his his passion for his craft is is unmatched. Right? You you can see how much he cares, how much he he wants to see the people he works with be successful. His tone and his the time and place and manner in which he vocalizes his his displeasure is probably um, questionable. Uh, but I I do appreciate the the passion and and the 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 desire to see people succeed. I I get no more. There's no greater joy in my life than seeing an, an RA or 
you know, a, a volunteer or even just a student um, who was struggling at first to see them to find success is, is really, really that that's what gets me excited. So I, I think that's where I, I love a good episode of Hell's Kitchen because at the end of the day, he wants them to be successful and, and, you know, as I've said, fulfill their potential. So he probably could do it in a different way though. Probably yeah. not the best coach. But then he wouldn't be Gordon Ramsay, right? I guess one of the yeah, features that that's made true. him famous. He, he wouldn't be who he is. And so there is there is value in being your authentic self. I, I really believe in that. Exactly. I think he is like a very, a person or a leader who can motivate you in the right mm -hmm. way. Yeah, kind of like disagree with the wording and phrasing yeah. and how he uses to convey meanings. Yeah. But I think he conveys emotions really well like i could get the message and i know that he wants me to succeed so i definitely yeah. agree with that part i i i think it's also you know he he has found success in the united states um you leaning into that vibe of being the angry chef um and uh if you've watched any of his british shows that are that are made exclusively in england he's a very different person um and especially when his kids are involved, he's he's much softer, uh, and so it is a bit of a of an act or routine that that is is being created for for television. Um, but his passion is is consistent across the board. So, I I as a coach, like I, as I coach students myself, you know I want to bring the I want to bring the best out for them, uh, and so really it it's you can't you can't train for passion or for a positive attitude that you you that that's something that comes a little naturally i think yeah what's your take on positive attitude or positive mentality i i try and approach all of my work and there are challenging days there are there are days you know where a student reports uh, an incident of sexual violence or there's a student who is is struggling with their mental health and they they may have made an attempt on their life. Um, and that, that can get heavy to carry around with you. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard of empathy burnout where someone who's in a caregiving position is just, they're carrying too much of it home. And it has taken me a long, long time to really build up the, the boundaries uh, to, to keep those two pieces separate. Um, and that's been a lot of work with my support network that's been been worked with through professional counselors that that have helped me build that toolbox um, because it's very easy to carry that that piece home and to let it rest with you. And I think longevity in this field has come from developing that, you know, that that ability to recognize, that, that students are going to be in crisis. That's never going to change. But how we show up, that attitude we show up with is, is, is significant. And so I try and go into every single day with positive regard for, for the day and for the people I work with. And, you know, universities are political beasts. That's also never going to change. And so having that resilience and that patience to to work through an issue with a student without taking on that emotional that emotional baggage uh, is is an essential skill I think 
it took me a long time. I, I, I would say that this year, out of after working in, in housing for 15 years, this is probably the first year where I felt the most confident about those boundaries and, and ensuring that I show up in a way that helps students and I deal with my own stuff in a way that makes sure I'm not taking that to work. Because I, I can't help others if I'm not, you know, firing on all cylinders. Right. That's a good point as well. And uh, one of my favorite phrases is something along the lines of you can't pour from an empty cup. So it's yeah, important to refill true. your own cup as well. Yeah, 100%. I I take every minute of vacation that I, I have with with my, you know, with my position. So um, it's really important to take that time away and to really be away and to, to be focused on, on yourself. And it's not selfish. It's, it's, you know, finding harmony between your obligations. And I, I think people, you know, say, oh, you need to just find some balance. That's not true because your family or your loved ones, that's never going to be of equal importance to, you know, ensuring that one of your job tasks was complete. They're not equal. So you can't find balance between those things. But you can find harmony when one comes in, you know, one may may fade out for a little bit and then, you know, that fades out and something else comes in. So uh, I really like to think of it as an orchestra and, you know, each section plays at a different time, sometimes all together and sometimes, you know, in, in separate sections. So um, I really try and find harmony between between things versus balance, which I, I'm not sure is is tenable for for someone who wants to, you know, have longevity in a, in a career as busy as, as student affairs is. And as we're approaching kind of, you know, the end of the podcast today, what kind of advice would you like to give our listeners and kind of like a key take home message for them? Yeah, I, I will give some advice that was given to me many, many years ago. Um, and it, it has resonated with me and I, I pass this on to the students I work with, but you, you have to own your own two feet of space in this world without apology. And that means taking care of yourself. That means doing the things that you love. That means investing in, your, in yourself in a way that gives you meaning and mattering. And you can't, you can't just be in service of your career and careers are important. A paycheck is important. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, your family and your loved ones and the people that, that matter the most to you are, are the ones that, that will be there for you when the going gets rough. So own your own two feet of space in this world without apology. And for me, that means being a big nerd. I love my Star Trek. I love my Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I love my food shows and that's, I always make time for that uh, because that's what fills my cup at the end of the day. Exactly. I mean, you got to make time for all of those interests. I know I have been in the situation where uh, unfortunately I had to give up on those things that fill my cup just because it gets super busy and you have to get some things done. But over time, as I have reflected on the experiences, I realized that maybe I'm just like overstretching myself or, you know, you got to make time for those things. Otherwise life 
loses its value, loses the yeah. kind of things that you enjoy going through yeah. and look forward to if you don't make the yeah. time for them. Well, you know, it's it's like I said at the start. Yes, residence is about heads and beds. That's important. That's the product that we're selling. But we're also selling about a, a, a fulsome, robust experience. Um, and so that that's the thing that matters at the end of the day is is having a fulsome, fulsome life. 100%. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for all of these you know amazing points of wisdom that you shared with us tonight. And thank you so much for everyone for tuning in to another episode of Humans of Western. You can follow us on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, wherever you want. We are there. And uh, have a good rest of your day. Take care.